0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. by the way that tells people you think we're cool anyway apparently you have to say that people don't just do it by nature anyway i am here on a special episode with three amazing authors from the author talk network i'm super excited Ah! they're gonna intro themselves but let's talk about what we're drinking first so everybody can drink along so i am continuing with our sponsor skunk brother spirits lightning which is Oh my goodness. It basically is moonshine, but it's like honey moonshine. But I put it in, I'm be doing it healthy. I put it in simply grapefruit. So it's simply grapefruit and Skunk Brothers Spirits White Lightning, which is it. Yeah, it's jarring. It's just jarring. It's amazing. But DWA10 is a coupon code. So going around, Sherry, what are you drinking?
1: I have a Cabernet by uh, uh, called Madalena. I went to a wine tasting uh, dinner, and it was paired with uh, some food, and it's probably my favorite Cabernet I've ever had. If if we uh, have a chance later, I'll bring the bottle and show it to you, but uh, it's called Madalena,
0: and it's a Cabernet, and it is delicious. Sounds amazing. Meredith?
2: I am doing sangria because that's my summer go-to. So, um, And uh, because I have moonshiners in my book, I decided a ball jar was the best (laughs) (laughs) for drinking it oh my god i
0: love it cd what are you drinking
3: um you would think i'd be drinking some wine or something very italian but i'm drinking instead jameson whiskey um in my titanic glass because i love everything titanic
0: (laughs) oh my gosh that's i love I love whiskey I'm a big fan of the whiskey okay we're gonna start I want you guys to introduce yourselves and what you write so people can get to know you CD do you mind going first
3: sure I write women's fiction I have two books out one just was released last week called the visitor the first one's the difference that recently won three finalist awards in different contests so I'm very excited um I write relatable stories generally in the Italian American
0: culture very cool meredith besides moonshine which uh, yeah. <laughs> we've got to go into uh,
2: well i write folklore inspired fiction so that can be um multiple genres i've done some historical fiction um some women's fiction that's not out yet uh but my main series is contemporary fantasy um and it's all based on scottish and appalachian folklore and um yeah it's a lot of fun very very cool sherry
1: I also write women's fiction, and uh, my debut novel was called What's Left Untold. Uh, It's a USA Today bestseller, and it's a little bit different than some women's fiction because it's being referred to as a domestic noir, because it's uh, got some dark elements, uh, lots of twists, but a very controversial ending, which has made it a lot of fun to discuss with book clubs.
0: Very cool, domestic noir. I think that is literally the first time I've ever heard that phrase. (laughs) ever. (laughs) They just made it up for you. Wow. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you guys are part of author talk network, which is a group of authors who've gotten together. And a huge part of that is sharing what you guys know with other authors, creating a huge community. Am I correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So let's talk about, which I think is amazing, by the way, any, this community, everybody should help everybody because Wow. Writing is hard. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what got you started to write a novel. And I'm going to pick on you first, Sherry. What made you decide to, like, I'm going to put out a novel and be a USA bestseller and do that? Oh
1: my gosh. Um, It didn't start out being something I set out to do. My background is in journalism and aviation. And I spent the first 10 years of my career as a pilot, a flight instructor, and a a corporate co-pilot. But after my kids were born, I had three kids in about four years. Wow. That was, well, that done. Was well done. So I, I kind of went back to my journalism background and did a lot of, um, I know it's like, we need a drink on that one.
0: Yeah. Was, yeah. Like, you said three kids in four years. I'm like, I need to drink on that. I'm going to do that.
1: Well, writing ended up being a great um career to, to Reinvest in after my kids were small because I picked up a lot of freelance work. I could do it at my own schedule at night or when they were napping and I was doing um, A lot of online writing. I wrote a fitness column for 10 years. Um, and then at some point I just thought it would be really awesome to write a book. I had a lot of ideas that started Going through my head and then when the inspiration for what's left and told hit. I was like, that's the idea. That's the story that I want to go with, but it took 11 years from that moment of inspiration to actually getting that book out in the world. So it was a very long process.
0: I was going to say, so it wasn't just like a little hop, skip and a jump, and then you wrote an novel. What no. about now? Have you continued? Are you in book two?
1: Yes, I am about to send book two to beta readers. So I'm hoping that that will be out in the world in a year or so. I guess it depends on how fast those publishing cogs are turning, but, um, The tentative title right now is The Executive Club, and it is also women's fiction, so I do hope to have that out soon. And how long did that one take you? Not as long. I followed everyone's advice that said, as soon as you finish your first book, start your second book. So I did probably start writing that one in 2016, I guess. So it still took a while. To and it's still not out yet, but um, definitely a little bit better than 11 years as the first round. So hopefully it'll keep getting better with each go.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yes. No, you, if you take 11 years to write every single novel, this you'll get like what six, seven out done. And then, yeah, no, no not good. Okay. Cindy, what about you? So you just said your second novel just came out, right? Yeah. What made That's you decide to write?
3: um much like sherry's story really just an idea came to me um my background and still what i do in the day is i'm a mental health therapist and so um it, it was just a hobby it just started on the side and it grew and grew and grew and um, it took about eight years for that first book the difference to come out and um but the second one much quicker I wrote it in the fall of 2020 for in three months and then took a little bit of a break and then um edited and everything and it released last week so not too bad with that one
0: <laughs> not very, too very bad. cool what about book three then my friend inquiring minds want to know
3: yes it's all planned out but I haven't started writing it yet I need a break So I'm going to start, (laughs) I need a big break, but I'm going to start in fall, I think, um, because something I think that a lot of people that aren't writers don't really know is, you know, your book is out there, but you still have to do all the marketing and you have to continuously, you know, keep up with all the sites. I'm indie published, so I'm in complete control of all the working parts of it. um, And that's a lot of work. So Um, doing that and and getting everything set and then we'll write again.
0: Very cool okay Meredith what about you my dear? Uh,
2: I think I have always been a writer like my parents will tell you even before I knew how to pick up a pencil I would make up stories Um, and I mean I all through school I wrote short stories and poems and things like that so I always knew that I wanted to be a writer but um, I think I let that, you know, that inner critic, that inner hater that says you have to do all these other things first, um, speak to me for a little too long. And uh, so I did the other things. Like I got married and had a mortgage and had two babies and um, all that stuff. And then, uh, and then I got laid off in 2008 on election day, I might add. (laughs) Wow. um, Yeah. I, in fact, I had taken it off to volunteer and they asked me to come into the office to lay me off, um, which was awesome. And my husband just said, why, why are you going to, you know, he's like, don't even bother looking for another job. Just don't do it. Stay home. Do what you want to do. Uh, you know, do what you're passionate about. And hey, so I finally us. got back to uh, writing the book that I started writing the year we got married. So Wow. Yeah. So when was that? When did your first book come out then? um the river maiden actually came out uh eight years ago uh last week on the second was its book birthday and um and since then i've uh there are three more in that series and i'm working on book five right now
0: very very cool so um cd you said you're independently published and then sherry are you with a publisher yes i uh, read adept publishing very cool. And so, Meredith, how are you published? I am independently published as well. Okay, I have to ask, what made you guys choose those journeys? And this time, I'm going to start with you, Meredith. Why did you choose to go independent?
2: Um, there were a couple of reasons. The my books have a strong kind of um, Scottish component to them, and uh, the first book, The River Maiden, was published the year that Outlander first came on TV. And I knew that the series was coming, so I wanted to make, sh- and I had a feeling it was going to be big, but you know, with TV, you never know how long something's going to last, um, especially when it's a show that costs a lot to produce. So I wanted to kind of be able to ride that wave, and I decided that the traditional publishing querying, waiting a year or two route was going to be too slow um, for me. So, um, so I decided that I needed to kind of get this out in the world faster than that that was Very the big cool. decision. And I like, um, like C said, I, I kind of like having, um, after doing four books, um, I kind of like having control of, you know, my schedule and the pricing and all of that. So. And I think that's one of the benefits um,
0: of self-publishing that, you know, for I think you have to find the right way to publish, right? I talked to a ton of authors that go all different kinds of routes, but I think If you really want complete control over that book, no Mm. matter what, like nobody else is Mm. saying anything about the book, you are going to have to self-publish. That is what it is. It doesn't matter because regardless of publisher wants to back you up thoroughly, you could have different ideas than what a publisher, an editor or typesetter or whatever. And I know a lot of people that have that in their personality and so they went self publish because of that or they just didn't want to wait, to your point. Yeah, I mean, my thing
2: is, I'm happy to take feedback, and I had a professional editor work on these with me, but, and he gave me great feedback, but um, I was, my fear in going the traditional publishing route was that they were going to look at the fantasy elements and tell me that it needed to be young adult, and, you know, could I make my characters younger, and that's just not an option for these characters, and not something that I wanted to do. I think there's, I think there's actually an underserved audience of adult women who like to read fantasy that has a bit of realism in it, and you know and deals with women's issues and. um, You know, so I didn't want somebody to be like Okay, but can you rewrite it as young adult. No, I agree completely and please if you're self publishing
0: get an editor get a professional editor not your friend that edits you know, that looks at your book, you know, like a real person that does this for a living and knows how to do that. I think that's important. What I meant more was um, the choices, sometimes publishers, regardless of the type of publisher they are, and I know this being a publisher, there are some choices and I've seen people like get obsessed with a cover that they want to put on the book. And I'm like, Mm, okay but this book says it's this type of book and you're trying to put this you know like yeah. covers and stuff like that and you know I just have a lot of friends that self-published too like that have done it forever and I think it's great but you have to have the stamina and the finances to be able to self-publish because a lot of people don't realize the cost to self-publish is a little bit different
2: yeah and I think you also have to be willing to look at the market as it is and find a way to navigate it And sometimes that means sacrificing some of the things that you might want. But you, you know, you have to be able to observe it and treat it like a business um, if you're going to be successful and do it for a long time.
0: Agreed. And I'm going to put this final one plug that I always say is if you are paying to publish, unless you're self-publishing because you're doing stuff, you're paying a publisher to publish. That is not a real publisher. That is a vanity press. I do not care what kind of makeup and outfit they have on. They're still a vanity press. Do not do it. Okay. CD, what about you? Your publishing journey? I just have to say that because I literally in the last three days have had five stories from people that basically ended up in vanity presses, but they just put different clothing instead of just being up front and going, it's this. They're like, oh, you have to pay for this advertising, but you have to pay for it from these five people. And I'm like, mm, mm, that's vanity press. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Cindy, tell me about your journey.
3: Yeah. I actually was with a small press at first for the difference. And then we had to part ways. Um, and I decided I couldn't wait any longer. I mean, it was already eight years and I wanted this book out. So, I turned it around in about two months. It was, it was pretty much edited already and everything, um, and self-published and just started the journey. I couldn't wait any longer. So with the second one, I, again, just didn't really want to wait that long. I did query a tiny bit, um, but I said, nah, I'm just going to do it myself, I, I have also really great editors and you know I feel like even though I'm self-published, you have to do that to have a quality product. Um, and then the third one I'm gonna see, but I think I'll probably try to query for an agent, uh, but I probably, it has to be a really special small press if I went directly to a small press. Probably we'll just go with an agent this next
0: time. Very cool. And Sherry, what made you decide to go the traditional route?
1: I knew going into it that I did not want to self-publish because I didn't felt, feel like I knew enough about the industry. I wasn't sure that I had the tools I needed, the experience I needed. I'm not very um, tech savvy or social media savvy. So, and, and I think just for my own self-confidence, I wanted the validation of somebody besides myself as a first-time author have given me that confidence that they see something in this book too, that they were willing to go on the journey with me and bring my book into their publishing house. Um, As I mentioned earlier, because of the content of the book, I had a lot of, um, when I started to query the book, I had a lot of agents and publishers come back and say they really liked the story, they liked the writing, they were happy for me to send any other future work that I had done, but they weren't sure the way my book ended would sit well with women's fiction audiences. Typical women's fiction readers are look maybe um, looking for more of a, uh, I always like people joke around and say my book would be a good lifetime movie, not Hallmark because it just doesn't wrap up in a very tidy way and the, que- and the characters make some questionable decisions. Um, so I was looking for a publisher that liked my book as it was. Um, I'm in the Women's Fiction Writers Association and that was a huge turning point for me in my book because I entered it into the rising star contest for new authors. And out of 75 entries that year, it was chosen as one of five finalists. And uh, one of the biggest benefits of that was then the manuscript was read by agents and publishers and we got feedback. And so the biggest change to my book at that point was it started in chronological order and it was suggested so that it wasn't starting out reading like um, young adult, that it be done in flashback format because it follows my character from the age of uh, 15 to 45. So um, there was a lot of very valuable feedback that there was too much of the book spent with the character as a teenager to market it well as women's fiction. So that was a whole year to um, rewrite the book (laughs) from chronological to um, flashback, but I'm really glad I did. I think it serves the story much better. I think it's a much uh, more dynamic read that way. But um, I just waited until I found the right publisher that believed in my story the way it was and actually liked the fact that it was different and a little controversial. And and Red Adept was that publisher for me. It took two years of querying the book. And then after I signed it took another two years before the book was released, but I do have um, an agent now as well, and so i'm not sure yet what path. um, The second book is going to take, but I am excited to see um, what other opportunities
0: might be ahead. Very cool very cool I you know yeah two years to get it published as the lightning starts kicking in I did have a question about um reviews but first I should ask how did you guys get involved with the author talk network let's start with you cd how did you get involved um grace salmon the leader put a post
3: on facebook I don't know what group possibly a debut group maybe 2020 what probably 2020 um, and I just said, oh, mine's not out yet, but I'd love to keep talking to you about it. And then it just went from there. And I got very lucky because I'm pretty sure she accepted me in there before it was published and then was getting the group together.
2: Oh, that's
0: very cool. Meredith, what about
2: you? Um, Well, Grace and I, and now CD, are um, also tour guides for the Bookish Road Trip community, and so we, um, you know, I knew Grace through that. And uh, when she started, she sort of got this idea for Author Talk Network. Um, All of the tour guides got included um, happily because uh, we've all read each other's books and we all kind of support each other, so. Very cool. Sherry, how'd you get
0: involved?
1: I'll have to echo both of these two in saying that Grace was the one that really um, got me into this group as well. I loved, uh, I love being part of WFWA and the 2020 debuts group was awesome, but it was huge. Like they, we had like hundreds of, of authors debuting that year. And so, um, I know coming out of it, I was looking for some other groups to get involved in, at least in the beginning that were starting new or maybe starting a little smaller so I could, um, make connections a little better than trying to, it's really difficult to try to support Um, hundreds and hundreds of authors, um, just all across different genres and everything. So I know when uh, Grace first, you know, introduced me to this group, I was happy to jump in on the beginning and find different ways to support other authors.
0: Very cool. Okay, I want to ask this question, then we're going to take a quick break. How did COVID affect your writing? And Sherry, (laughs) I'll go back to you. How did COVID affect your writing? Because it, you know, for a lot of us, we were like, okay, we need more time at home and we're going to write more and do this, which was not the effect <laughs> that this particular thing necessarily had. So um, Sherry, what about you? Did, was it easier to write, harder to write? Where, where did you end up with that? Um,
1: this is sort of, for me, a little bit of a two-part question. I feel like I was more impacted by releasing my debut during uh, COVID, because all of the in-person events that I thought I would be able to do, and even some of the ones that were already scheduled had to be quickly either, well, they, some of them were canceled outright, some of them switched to a virtual format, and so that was a big pivot and important time, and there were definitely pros and cons to that, but as far as um, how the pandemic itself affected my writing, I wouldn't say it affected me a lot, because I already pretty much work from home most of the time and my children are a little bit older. So I really feel for the people that had young children and really needed to jump in there hands-on and, and do um, virtual school with their kids or even some parents had to make the choice to homeschool depending on their situation. So mine were all in high school and it was, took a more of an emotional toll mm-hmm. um, on everyone. And so I, I felt like there was that But as far as me being able to find time and carve out time to write, um,
0: I don't feel like I was affected that way with COVID. Awesome. Awesome. Meredith, what about you?
2: Oh, gosh, I think it's still affecting me. Uh, Honestly, I, you know, in 2019, I wrote a book and a half, like, like Sherry was saying earlier, we keep trying to get faster at it, you know, and better at it with each book. And um, I wrote a I wrote a, um, one manuscript. My goal was to write two. I almost got there. Um, and so spring of 2020, I was gonna finish book four of my series. And then um, and we went on, I took my kids on spring break and they never went back to school. And, um, and so we ended, so yeah, I, we ended up doing virtual school for the rest of that school year. And we did virtual school for the next school year um, as well. And uh, which I think, you know, I mean, like Sherry was saying, I think it takes an emotional toll. And for for those of us who work at home, it's something to have suddenly have all these people in our space. Yeah. You know, it cuts down on your creative time when everybody's there and there's noise and you're worrying about the mental health of all the other people living in your house. And um, so that slowed things down. And then this year, they went back to in-person school. And I think that slowed things down. You know, I have one kid who started high school and um, went back to in-person school and is autistic. So it was a huge adjustment for him. And um, so a lot of my school year has just been kind of dealing with that. And my other one uh, graduated this year. So a lot of it has just been, you know, balanced, trying to write while balancing all of that. Um, And uh, it's, you know, it's a big challenge. So I'm, now they're out of school and I'm hoping I can finish this manuscript this summer. <laughs> Very cool. Before I have to you, drop me? the older one off at college. Where <laughs> you go? <sighs> <No. laughs> yeah. Sadie, what about you? Actually,
3: I, I don't have kids. So it wasn't a negative transition for me because I was able to finally work at home and I drive 60 miles a day. So it is a significant life change when I have days to work at home. And that was every day then. So that's why I was able to knock this out in three months, that year of 2020. Um, but I think that now I know I can do it because I, I basically did it on weekends anyway. And so, you know, just navigating the schedule a little bit better during the week, and then stay consistent on the weekends. That's gonna work for me, I think.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I saw something on LinkedIn today. Um, I I used to do HR officially as of June 3rd. I now publisher and writer full-time, which is amazing. Finally got to that part of my journey, but I used to do HR and there was an article on LinkedIn about from a gentleman or a whatever uh, thing that he wrote about how much time he saved from community like how much time he got back in his week. And it was something, one of the things he listed is like number of events missed, zero, like how much money and time. And it was astronomical, how much money and time that you never used to think
2: that you could not have to do. My husband commutes two hours one way every Um, day. He works in Washington, DC and he rides the train into work every day and, um, and home. So it's like four hours of his day. And sometimes he works on the train, but yeah, having him at home definitely improved his quality of life. He's really trying to push, you know, his work to let them work from home more often.
0: Well, I think they should as an HR person for the record, everybody still maintain their productivity level. And if they don't do the necessary steps because somebody will maintain that productivity level
2: to sit at home. And not have to come in. Well, he's a government contractor, so there are other factors (laughs) involved, too, but yeah. I work for the state, too, so it's
3: very strict, but I am still working home a few days a week, and I
0: will take it. (laughs) That's very cool. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with Drinking With Authors. Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brother Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team, using their grandfather's prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the Moonshine Corn whiskey to the Apple Pie Brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. Let's talk a little bit about fans. I enjoy fans, so let's talk a little bit about our fan experience. CD, what was your fan experience? I did
3: a book signing in February, and someone came to see me. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> my mind, you know? a book <laughs> And then that was something. And then um a bookstagrammer that I had been talking to for a while just typing I finally I was just so busy I just voice messaged back and she said I can't believe I just got a voice message from you one of my favorite authors it's like what it's just me (laughs) it's in my head you know I just thought
0: that was amazing so um authors all the time like the moment you publish a book you're a celebrity how big your celebrity gets depends on how much you do with it but i think a lot of especially authors tend to be like but but it's it's just a thing i do and i'm so happy you showed up like people i've watched at conventions and stuff where they'll walk past the booth and i'm like hi and when you make eye contact they're like they talk to me, you know, and I'm like yeah, we're humans. We do that, but you're a celebrity. Somebody's going to enjoy your book and want to come out and meet you. That was, you got a little fangirl moment. I like fangirl moments. What amazing, about you, Meredith?
2: Um, well, I am really lucky that I have some, I have a group of kind of fam slash friends. Like we met through books And they read my books very early on after I met, um, after meeting them and they just come to like, they usually live in Virginia or Maryland and they just come to whatever events I have here. Um, but I think the most, the most surprising fan experience I had, um, after the first book, and I I mean, I've had three out since then, but after the first book, I went to the, um, season two premiere for Outlander and, um, you know, and we were all, Exiting, and there was just this crush of people, and we all had name tags on. And I just had my first name, and I think my my you know last initial or something. And um, this woman bumped into me, and she says, "She's like, oh, excuse me." And then she looked at my name tag, and she's like, "Are you Meredith Stoddard?" And I'm like, "Uh, yes." And she just grabbed my arm, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited!" And um, she's like. I had a dream about Dermot and Sarah who are the main characters in my series. And she's like, they're going to go to France. And I was like, Oh, Oh, are they? (laughs) Okay. She's like, that's what my dream said. (laughs) Awesome. Um, And funny, funnily enough. um, I'm, writing book five starts in France but
0: um, not because
2: uh, she told me that over U- fan coming through <laughs> yeah I know she's gonna feel pretty chuffed when she sees that but um but and and you know I still talk to her occasionally now but um those moments are like magic you know because you, because you don't realize that you know this piece of yourself that you've thrown out into the world you know is actually reaching some people and they're getting excited about it
0: you know, it's always awesome. I, I agree 1000%. What about you, Sherry?
1: I think I'm still
0: sitting here with my heart palpitating when you throw out these words about like fans and celebrities
1: because <laughs> it's, uh, it kind of like just strikes fear into my heart because I'm not, um, I still don't think of it that way myself. I'm kind of a private person. And um, it still doesn't strike me that, I guess, because I wrote the column for the newspaper for a long time, Uh, It's more of a local paper. I've had the experience of people recognizing me locally from that column. But, um, you know, the thing that makes me the happiest about having the book in the world is when somebody does have those kind words to say that they enjoyed it, or they related to a certain part or, you know, my, my absolute absolute favorite thing of the whole journey has been meeting with book clubs. And really getting uh, able to meet one-on-one in a more kind of an intimate setting and talk about the book and having them feel comfortable to say, you know, really what they think, the things they love, the things they didn't love. It just helps me feel like I grow more as an author and connecting that way with readers. I think I've always just looked at it as feeling very fortunate to have people who support me rather than feeling like they're fans, I guess, just you know, friends and family and fellow authors and new readers that have just been so supportive, whether it's been leaving a positive review or saying kind things or um, hosting me on a, a podcast or something like that, um, or inviting me to their book club. It's, that's just what makes me feel really good. And I just, I feel like I get to be part of that experience and share the experience with them rather than, I guess, feeling like, Uh, thinking of myself as like a a celebrity or having fans. well you are are,
0: and wait till the fan I call it fangirl but could be any gendered person comes (laughs) running up and is so excited you should just prepare yourself for that because that eventually does happen Uh, I was in the middle of a lecture when mine happened I was teaching people something and I write under two names and um she literally turned and was like, are you Dalian Lance and I'm like, yes. And then I was continuing and she's like, Oh, my God, and just went into a whole day and it was, I was like, oh, this is awkward. I mean, there's people. Thank you, you know, it's great but it does eventually you've hit somebody in the right place that that will happen, because they get excited think your character should go you know to france or something like that but (laughs) let's talk about the the review side so sherry do you read your reviews not anymore so much i
1: i know there's so many people that i've advised not to read the reviews and i appreciate that because i do believe that um, once the book went out into the world it really wasn't my book anymore it was the reader's book and i had no more control really on what would happen at that point. I mean, I have con- some control in terms of marketing it or you know, still trying to, to get it out into the view, but what people think of it or say about it um, is not in my control. And I think as with most things, some people w- will love it. Some people will hate it. It's not gonna be everybody's cup of tea. And uh, I appreciate a constructive criticism, I guess, but there are people out there that are just mean uh, and just say hurtful things um, that aren't really necessary or helpful. Maybe Uh, I would never do that, I think to anybody else. So I don't know what motivates people to do that. But so I try to like, um, I did, I don't, I realized that my skin was not as thick as I thought it was, or as I hoped it was in the beginning, but I've gotten a lot better about that. And I've have far more fortunately to have far more positive reviews and positive things being said and i just try to look at those and remember that i never expected everybody in the world to love this book i knew especially with the controversial ending that uh, it wouldn't be for everybody and some people would not like that and would express that so i don't read them regularly i if i see a positive one i definitely read that (laughs) but i don't scour through them on a regular basis and if i see one that's not a positive one, then I just usually tend to try to skip over that, so.
0: No, I think that's a smart thing to do. Your notebook is gonna be for everybody. And like one of the advices that I've heard said a lot is if you if you wonder what this is really like, go pick whoever your favorite big name author is yeah. and go like, for instance, The Hunger Games, go look up and just sort for the one-star reviews on Amazon for The Hunger Games. And yeah. it just gives you an idea of perspective what people think, but there you see that so much in life. Like, I, you know, most people are way more apt to give a negative review than they are to give a positive review of things. Like anytime anybody approaches me and is like, oh, I really liked your book, blah, blah, blah. Conversation, I always go, oh, did you leave a review? That <laughs> would be kind of, that would be awesome if you did. I don't do it that way, I'm very pleasant about it, but I always go, could you leave a review? That would be great. Because, you know, if that whole thing about people are more and more aptly negative things than positive things, that's going to be true with books and just things in general. And people, you know, always, you know, when you're behind the computer, you're the, you know, expert on whatever it is you're talking about in that moment, which you may not be an expert on, but they think they are, you know. And when I got my first negative review, it was very funny. I actually considered it like a um, badge of honor Mm -hmm. I'm dying to do a panel where somebody stands up and talks about something they don't like in my book so I can go I just want to thank you for buying my book
2: (laughs) it means your sample size is large enough right you've reached enough people that you you're not talking about friends and family anymore that (laughs) there are enough people who bought your book that you found somebody who didn't like it that's good And that happened. So Meredith, what
0: about you with reviews? You've been, you've been published the longest. How did that go from when you first got published, Mm -hmm. which kind of the journey to now we're in book five?
2: Yeah. I mean, I do read my reviews. Uh, I think my previous career was as a corporate trainer and instructional designer. And we always had to get like class feedback after every, you know, um, training class that we did. So I got used to reading reviews and, um from from that and learning what you can take from it and what your outliers are you know and that's the key i think if you're going to read your reviews that's fine if you notice a pattern in those negative reviews then that might be something you want to look at to improve but if it's like a one-off or something like that forget it you know don't worry about it some will some won't so what you know but um, but some of them can actually be juice for marketing like my favorite is I got one on um, on the river maiden that was that said, Oh, another romance. And I'm thinking first of all it's not a romance because you need a happy ending for that but. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> I love that they're like complaining about, you know, this Roman this love story in their fantasy book. Um, and I feel like that's something that I could actually, you know, use for marketing. <laughs> purposes to say hey you know we got fantasy here but there's also a love story at the middle of it so yeah and i think it's true there's
0: critique information and then there's criticism yeah information yeah and i think that's the difference like i you know if you're gonna not get your book edited or not do stuff or you spell check for instance you know you're opening yourself up if it's stuff that actually needs to be addressed to your point but when it's just like i didn't like it and i hate kissing
2: cool but yeah thanks
0: for reading thanks for buying my
2: book book four has kind of a controversial ending too for people who actually care about these characters so um i think i i had a few people who were a little bit mad about the ending of book four but um yeah but I, but I had already told them. I was like, "Look, it's not the end. I promise. There's more to come." So,
0: yeah, no, totally. And to your point of the fan coming up and saying France, they start creating these characters in their minds, and mm-hmm. especially in series-based writing, they get invested. You make a choice that they're like, you know, should have ended up with, you know, Edward versus Jacob, and yeah, just horrible. Or they analogy. do fantastic. Like, a war you can get a war going with your pants you know okay cd what about you reviews do you love them where where do we stand i don't read them usually it's
3: been hard in this last week because i'm still uh, making sure that some of my arc people have left reviews for this new book and i'm like oh my gosh i have to look okay okay (laughs) you know (laughs) anything else but like my art people um and and I have no idea what they're gonna say even but um yeah I don't I don't really want to look but Marriott's making me think so I don't know if I'll change my mind you had some good <laughs> points um <laughs> and um I think having someone if you don't want to look having someone to look for you and pull out some good lines is a good method yeah. um and and I'm probably going to employ that at some point <laughs>
2: also spoilers because sometimes people will put spoilers in their reviews and if they're people that you know you can be like hey you know i really appreciate you writing that review but could you remove that one sentence because it's kind of spoilery oh those are my favorite
0: reviews when they literally do the entire plot of the book in their review (laughs) on amazon I I especially love it when they don't put spoiler. I'm a firm believer if it's more than about two paragraphs of any sort of review for a book, one paragraph is perfect for me. Two paragraphs, I'll accept. Beyond that, get off the computer, people. (laughs) Just leave the stars. We don't need, who needs like a five page review on something? It's no. No, what absolutely. I think is
3: hilarious, my friend did this one time when we were sitting around drinking, and he started reading my reviews, and he's like, "They said this is the best book ever. It's spectacular. I love this. Four stars." <laughs> like, yeah, oh, dude, great,
2: love it, love it, love it. Four stars. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> I people I, who rate it and not leave a review. Like, yes. here's a one star. But I'm not going to tell you why. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. A friend
0: of mine, and I've said this on on the podcast before, because it's my favorite analogy ever for reviews. He found this review for this restaurant. And they said the food was great. The service was amazing. The lime in my Moscow mule was not as fresh one star. What?
2: (laughs) He found this on Yelp. He, He told me about it. And I was like, this is the perfect analogy. have to analogy assume that folks review. like that don't know how the review system works. Like they maybe think one star is better. No, I don't think they, that was the thought, but
0: that's why one thing you, you, when it comes to reviews, again, it is hard, especially when you've t- taken and you put so much heart and soul into something. It's kind of like if somebody hung up, you were a painter and you hung up a painting and somebody walked up and was like, I don't like this one. you know. It's, it's not for them, but you can't help but almost feeling wounded that they didn't, you know, like, like your painting. But um, I think it it really just depends on how you utilize the feedback. Um, I, you know, have you guys been at in person events? I mean, like where you did a book signing CD, Meredith, I'm, I'm assuming before you were in in person events, yes? Yes, and you, I have them. Have yeah. you been to an in person event yet? Yes. Yes. Where you're signing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Perfect. So you guys know that people can walk up to you and say weird stuff too. It doesn't just have to be. In, <laughs> you know what I mean, and and give you their their philosophy on your stuff, especially as you reach a broader and broader audience. It's just science that the number, the percentage of crazy people goes up you know, for the number of fans you have, like a lot of people don't realize it, but, you know, I used to say, you know, if you have 5% crazy at a hundred, that's only five people. That's kind of manageable, but a thousand, that's 50 people. That's not, that's not 50 crazy people. It's not as manageable. Like, <laughs> so you're You're going to have that, but then you're also going to have all the fans that just are absolutely waiting for that next book to come out. Do you guys pre put your books on pre-order? I, I did to get a link.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I do, um, but I wait until it's ready. Like until I'm like in the final stages, like I'll put mm-hmm. it on for a two weeks to a month, but not mm-hmm. until I'm sure it's ready. Like I'm not one of those authors that puts it out like six months before. I'll tell you three month is a sweet
0: spot. I'm just letting you know. Three months. order huh? Three month is the sweet spot for pre-orders and ranking jumps. Wow. Mm. I don't know why. This is just, <laughs> just a little tidbit takeaway magic ball. Three months. Three okay. months is not too long for the person to completely forget that they did this, but it's also enough time to ramp up. So you skyrocket up that list on the day your thing is released. Good to know. Well. No, it's yeah it's you know pre-orders pre-orders are wonderful they're awesome okay so let's talk about your guys's writing environments and i'm going to start with you cb what is your writing environment like well the room i'm in right now has i'm on a desk
3: and i could close a door so this is great um i wrote basically the first one here in two houses but same desk um and then I have an art room that I created and that one's all open so if there's not too much noise going on or if it's something that I can tune out I'll write in there and that's really where I wrote The Visitor the second book.
0: So do you have music?
3: Mm -mm. No I can't work with music. Editing is fine for either spa music or just like new age music or something with you know definitely without lyrics um but I'm such a musical person that I can't I would be singing the songs
0: (laughs) I want to play or something (laughs) can can you write around other people like can you go to a cafe and write
3: I don't think so I'm a extreme introvert I don't think that would work for me um I'd be probably self-conscious I'd be like are they looking at me what's happening I too distracted by the noises I can't yeah
2: what about you, Meredith? Uh, I have a you. shed in my backyard. This is where I am now.
0: Is it and a she shed?
2: It's a she yes. shed. Okay. Yep, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we built it right before the plague hit. So um, literally like January and February of 2020. So just in time. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, this is, um, I do a lot of things here. So a lot of businessy things. Sometimes I still, go out to cafes to write because I can get away from you know any of the distractions of like oh I need to send that email or you know do this other thing um but uh but yeah I love my shed and I built a garden um in between the house and the shed so I have a very nice walk to work nice very cool sure oh wait music do you listen to music um well my main character is an ethnomusicologist so I kind of have to <laughs> Um, but I make playlists for uh, different relationships different you know moods and um, characters and stuff like that so yeah I I listen to music a lot do you post those playlists I do actually yeah I have um, I they're on Spotify so I usually when the book is released if it's a new playlist for that book I'll usually share it on Spotify that was very very cool what about you Sherry uh, my writing environment changes
1: seasonally I think um, in, the, in the summer I like to sit outside um, I've got this great um, table on my back deck um, with an umbrella and so I, I'll i put that umbrella up and sit outside in the shade and I love to be outside and in the winter I'm usually at my desk um, with a candle and cup of coffee, and that's really important. The coffee is key. I don't think I write without coffee ever, <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> um, and I do go to a cafe sometimes, but I have to sort of know, I've tried it out. And I'm, I can't, if it's noisy, if there's loud conversation, if there's kids yelling, um, I cannot write at all. I, I did write almost my whole first book with uh, classical piano music. I did like having music, but like CD said, it can't have lyrics. It could be acoustic. It could be new age. um, But classical piano was my favorite uh, for writing my book. And I do have a playlist. So speaking of music, I have a whole fun 80s playlist. Every song on my playlist on Spotify was directly referenced in the book or the group was alluded to or it ties in with a theme. Like I put, I think it's Bonnie Ray, let's give him something to talk about just because I thought that really played into the controversy with my, with my book. So, but yeah, so I can have music without lyrics and I just need to protect, find a space of time that is a few hours long without interruption. So if I have that, then I'm usually good.
0: Very cool, okay so because we're we don't do rapid fire with this one i'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions though that we ask normally we're much much drunker by this point so we're going to wing it cd what is your favorite book of all time the great gatsby why
3: um i read it in ninth grade it was the first book that i actually liked really (laughs) in school um and something about that time period always Sucks me in. I just think it would have been so much fun to live in that time period. And then don't even get me started on when my favorite actor, Leonardo DiCaprio, starred in the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't even talk about it. I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Wow. Okay, Sherry, what about you? Favorite book of all time? Oh, gosh. I was dreading that question. I was hoping I'd get a different one. (laughs) I don't know how you can pick just one. I think that's like a Just like I have seasons for writing, I have seasons for reading at different phases in my
0: Is there any books that you reread
1: more frequently? No. No, there are so many books that I want to read that I don't Feel like I have the luxury to go back and reread one because there's always another one I want to read that I haven't yet. I can't ever get through my. Okay. To be so
0: favorite recent book, then you're not getting out of answering this question. By the way, I know. Okay. It's so my, podcast, so my that's how I know favorite that.
1: more recent book was *The Great Alone* by Kristen Hannah. I really love her. Um, she's kind of one of my idols in the women's fiction genre, and that book I just really loved. I thought. Um, Uh, It's about a family that's homesteading in Alaska in the 70s, and I love the outdoors and her description of the wilderness and the wild, untamed world that was Alaska in 1970s was just really awesome, and her characters were really powerful, and it was at a time when I was working on my own women's fiction craft, so I really, of all of her books that she's done, that one was my favorite. And probably one of my favorite compliments I ever got was a writer with someone that read What's Left Untold said it reminded them of um, Firefly Lane, which was one of Chris and Hannah's early books. So, I really, I really liked that one a lot.
2: Very cool. Okay, Meredith, favorite book? Um, Yeah, I'm with Sherry on this one. It's really hard to pick one book. I mean, I you know, I I, there's so many, Um, but uh, I'm gonna say. the last book in the lyman chronicles which i think is the sixth book checkmate um if you have not read dorothy Dunnett, it it, she's amazing and that book is uh that whole series is just awesome it's like james bond without the gadgets in the elizabethan era wow very good like now that we've went out there with just our one
1: like uh, when I meant by about the seasons, I think reading Stephen King in middle school was what made me want to write eventually and become an author. It's what made me a reader. I've read mm-hmm. Carrie Kujo and Christine in quick succession. It was like my jump from the, the PS I love you kind of more teeny young adult books into like real fiction. And then I think we get so busy as students with school and college that mm-hmm. reading for pleasure kind of gets lost. But in college, we had to read um, The Silence of the Lambs one of our classes and that's what made me realize how much I missed reading for pleasure so that's when I meant like I can point to different books you know the Kite Runner the Pillars of the Earth were like really powerful books and I loved Outlander because I felt like you know if a zoologist Diana Gabaldon who's writing this book that was like the blend of everything it was fantasy it was historical fiction it was romance it was um you know it was just everything it went yeah. it, i so there's like different books for different reasons. I think it's why it's so hard to pick just one.
0: Very cool. Well, I agree. I agree. We all have stacks of books that are yet unread. Some of them are digitally and nobody can see them. And then there are <laughs> other stacks that people can see. And the boyfriend's like, how about we don't have more books suddenly? So I just buy them on the Kindle. That's <laughs> He's like, you're not reading them. You got five stacks. And I'm like, no, I am. okay so this is a fun one if you could be any character but you have to live their life who would you be meredith you're gonna go under the character of ours
2: or any character any character
0: in any book but you have to have their life oh wow um that's harsh that's really hard well the characters wouldn't have gotten to where they are if they didn't have their life so
2: yeah I'm looking at my bookshelf yeah. <laughs> what's that I'm looking at my books <laughs> awesome. yeah i know i'm like i don't know i mean do i choose excitement or do i choose what i think would be you know better for me and i can't even remember the character's name what was uh um in uh, The Winter Sea, Susanna Kearsley's uh, book, the main character there, she's a writer and she just goes and like lives in the places where she's writing a book about. So like she goes to, you know, Scotland and lives there for a bit, writes a book, moves on to France or wherever. Um, Yeah, I think that sounds like, uh, like my speed. (laughs) Okay, CD, what about you?
3: I love Sophie Kinsella's the Shopaholic series and her main character Becky Bloomwood the last name it's like she got married I can't remember which is the married name anyway I I just think she's hilarious and she's lived in all these different cities and she has a fabulous life I think it'd be fun to be her
0: Erica Sherry
1: Oof. Okay I would love to think of a character that's like traveling all around the world and like, (laughs) but I can't off the top of my head. So I'm going back to Outlander, which is gonna be a bold choice because, you know, that Sassenach, you know, the character Claire leaves her life and goes back to, you know, ends up in Scotland, 1700 something Scotland. And that has to be a lot of hardship, but I'm gonna go with that because I love history. And I often like see an old house or something and wish I could be a fly on the wall or live a moment of time in that exact moment of history. Like I wish I could experience what that was like. Um, And so if you could pick where, I mean, I know she didn't get to pick. She stumbled through those stones and ended where she did, but to be able to go back in time and actually experience that. And then because she did have a choice later to make the choice to give up what would have been her modern conveniences to go back to a harder way to live, but she did it for love, you know, to be able to make that choice to give up the life she had to follow her true love. I mean, that would be amazing to be able to do that. So
0: I'm, I'm going with that. I'm going to be Claire in Outlander. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. This is a fun one. What is a, your a favorite book to movie or TV show? One that you think they did they you know they're never going to get the book 100 percent. but you you were happy knowing the book to the the tv show or movie cd the devil wears prada
3: <laughs> i love that movie and the book was just okay to me um and so i, I don't disagree with you i
0: actually saw the the Ooh. movie before the, i read the book and i did not like the character the the lead
2: you know the mm-hmm i liked her much better in the movie than i did in the book sorry yeah. guys i'm having computer issues my battery is running low so if i drop out that's why that's then okay. An answer real quick meredith what is your favorite move
0: book to movie or tv show
2: um i'm gonna get real specific and say season two of outlander season one was okay uh or pretty good season two was amazing and i don't even like like that is not my least favorite book of that series but um, but yeah, season two of Outlander was amazing. Um, they sort of went downhill till season four and then season five picks up again, getting better. But um, I'm kind of a super fan because to Outlander. So. You went to a premiere. I feel that. I feel yeah. that.
0: What about you, Sherry?
1: Yeah, that would be an easy answer because I was still getting together with friends and watching Outlander. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, going to, Diversify my answer a little bit here and go with either um, either the Hunger Games or the Handmaid's Tale.
2: Handmaid's Tale is very
0: good. Yeah, good. and Hunger Games. Hunger Games is one of my favorites. Okay, so Meredith, before you land, we have to wrap up. So yeah. I want you to do shameless self promotion. I'm gonna let you go first, just in case you drop. Oh,
2: okay, awesome. Um, it's the Once in Future series. The first book is The River Maiden. Um, and uh, if you're into ebooks, it's only 99 cents where most ebooks are sold. Um, but it is all about a folklorist who goes to trace a songs that her grandmother taught her when she was a little girl, and in doing so un- ends up uncovering a lot of family drama and um, gets mixed up with some 20th century Neo Jacobites, and uh, all kinds of mysterious things.
0: Wow, and how do people find you? You have a website, newsletter, I'm hoping, yes.
2: Yes, I am uh, at meredithstoddard.com. I'm Mr. Stoddard on Instagram and TikTok um, and also on Twitter. So- Very, very cool. CD, what about you?
3: Yes, The Difference is about a woman who feels very empty, misses her grandfather who was an Italian immigrant. She goes on an ancestry mission to find out why he was so secretive about his past. Meanwhile, trying to help herself um, not be falling into depression and trying to help her relationship with her boyfriend that's falling apart. The visitor released last week is set in New Orleans. A new age store owner is threatened with uh, destruction of her business by her high school nemesis ex-boyfriend, and um, she needs help from a mystical customer and also needs to learn to trust her community and accept help from other people.
0: Very cool. And website and stuff.
3: Yes. cdAngeloauthor.com. And I'm on all the the social media platforms I can think of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of it.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Sherry.
1: Okay. Um, my USA today, bestseller what's left untold. Uh, warns that every secret has its price, and it's about a woman who reunites with her estranged best friend and uncovers a devastating secret that threatens to destroy the life she's built with her husband and daughters. Um, So cool. It has some surprise twists, a controversial ending, uh, and it's written in, in flashback format. It follows the character Anna, the main character Anna, from the age of 15 to 45, so it spans 30 years in her life. Uh, the book is mostly set in maryland but they do have a couple field trips i'd say a cameo to ohio um, gulf shores alabama trying to think if they go anywhere else but (laughs) all within the u.s Um, i am on social media as i mentioned earlier i'm not too super tech savvy i do try to keep my website up to date as much as i can uh it's sherrylimecooler.com but I am more active on social media. I have a Facebook author page and I'm also on Instagram. I do have Twitter. I'm not as active on that. So I really enjoy connecting with readers on um, Facebook through my website
0: um, and through Instagram. Very, very cool. It has been amazing having this episode with you guys. You guys are so awesome. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. you. Yes. This has been fun. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> And, uh, reach out to Steve if you want to do individual episodes. We never have more fun. Shots! Just kidding. <laughs> we don't have Here. It's here. So sure. <laughs> Here's um, to you. Thank you. you. Good here. night. <laughs> <up. laughs> okay, guys. This is... oh, well, this is our coming <laughs> <episode. laughs> in. Um, this has been Drinking With Authors. I've been your host, Eric Lantz. My guests have been from the author Talk network, which is amazing, or share all their information on the socials. Um, our sponsor today is Skunk Brothers Spirits, BWHN. Don't so forget to like and subscribe. And we will see you guys next time.